Jake Knapp is the inventor of the design sprint and the New York Times bestselling author of the book Sprint. He's also the co-founder of Character, a venture fund for early stage startups. How and why did you start using Miro? I came from this position of thinking, I don't want to be doing stuff online to thinking now when I do a sprint in person with a company, it's like, we're going to use Miro, even though we're all in the same room, because that's a better way for us to get this work done. As an investor, we're basically investing in their ability to solve problems. We're saying, we think this group of people is going to be able to solve a problem in a really great way and create value by doing it. And actually, you need to give people the tools that can help them make decisions, help them collaborate, help them visualize and see things in a different way. And Miro does all those things. So to me, at least as an investor, I'm thinking, give the team the tools that are going to help them think, that are going to make the most, brighten their, their skills as smart folks. And Miro is at the top of that list. Locked On NBA, the biggest stories, the local experts. Every Monday, we dig into the biggest stories in the NBA with the Locked On Podcast Network host. Today, we'll stop in New Orleans to speak with Jake Madison of Locked On Pelicans about the curious case of Zion Williamson. We go to Indiana to speak with Tony East of Locked On Pacers about TJ Warren's 53-point explosion and the status of Victor Oladipo. And lastly, we go to Houston to speak with Jackson Gatlin of Locked On Rockets about Houston's big win over Milwaukee. It's all coming up. The biggest stories with the local experts on Locked On NBA. You are Locked On the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome back to another week of Locked On NBA. I am your Monday host, Josh Lloyd. I'm also the host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast and the Locked On AFL Podcast. And I'm the lead analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. Of course, the NBA is back in full swing. Plenty of exciting stuff happening over the weekend. So we're going to talk about some of those big stories across the league right now. Now we've got the host of the Locked On Pelicans Podcast, Jake Madison, is here with me. Jake, Zion is not on a minutes limit, but his minutes are severely limited. What's going on? Yeah, it's it's uh, not exactly what Pelicans fans and probably the NBA and just NBA fans everywhere really wanted to see. But David Griffin kind of addressed this. He took to speak to the media both during the game on Saturday and then to the New Orleans media the day uh, that morning as well. And basically it said that they're still ramping him back up because he was gone from the bubble for eight days, went through a four-day quarantine. That's a lot of time without playing basketball. And if you saw the Pelicans starters in that first scrimmage against the Nets, they played about 15 to 18 minutes and he's just kind of going through that natural progression that those guys have already gone through so they're ramping him back up it's not a minutes restriction per se but his minutes and his playing time are definitely being consulted with the medical staff on and I think they're the ones ultimately with the final decision so if Zion looks good during a game he could potentially play more. If it looks like he's struggling, they might try and shut him down a little bit early and I think that's why you're kind of seeing the ride that he's going on right now so we understand that there's your medical reasons and sports science and all that sort of stuff behind the minutes, but how have you seen the way that Gentry has deployed Zion, for example, and not so much in the Clippers game because that game was a blowout, but against the Jazz where you know, crunch time and Zion wasn't out there? Um, how much of that was Gentry making the decision 
to do with the minutes or the fact that Zion was struggling so much defensively? Like, is you think there's valid or the criticism for Gentry is valid there based on you know, not using him in key stretches? Yeah, so I think in terms of the first game, because you're right, just kind of chuck out that second one against the Clippers and the blowout that it was. Uh, Zion not playing in crunch time in the opener against the Jazz, is that's a medical team decision. I have no doubt Gentry actually wanted him out there. You know, he was bad defensively in that game. He's not been good defensively all year long, but they've still won despite all of that. And when you look at that team, they only put up 17 points in the final quarter against the Jazz. They needed a bucket more than a stop necessarily. And... And without Zion there, who had played pretty well, at least offensively in that one, they weren't able to get it done. So I don't think he was held out of there because he was so bad defensively. It was just a medical team decision. But you're seeing kind of the bursts, as they call them, have an impact across the roster. That starting lineup of Derek Favors, Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram, Drew Holiday, and Lonzo Ball had like a plus 28 net rating going into the bubble. It's in the negative 20s right now, probably because Zion's only playing three minutes at a time with them then someone else subs in and it kind of throws that whole group I think off of their rhythm so these bursts have an impact not just when you know Zion's out there on the court but for the rest of the team as well and I think that's one of the reasons why you've seen the Pelicans get off to a pretty sluggish start here going 0-2 so this whole situation is not great if you're looking to win now but it's very apparent that the Pelicans are looking to prioritize the long-term future of the franchise over a short-term trip to the playoffs to uh, you know if they were to get in they're getting swept by the Lakers in the first round is what it looks like right now yeah so it, it does appear that they're not really pushing super hard for the playoffs despite having a, a pretty strong run at least getting into the play-in game it is looking a little bit less likely now with those two losses but of course they do have a bunch of easy games coming up Lonzo Ball has a true shooting percentage of 26 and a half percent through two games um I think he's looked okay defensively uh, and even with his ball movement but the shot just appears off Completely, he's not a great shooter, but he's definitely a better shooter than this. How how troublesome is that? And also, Brandon Ingram struggling because we haven't really seen that. I thought we'd see a lot of rust across the league, but there's been really hot shooting performances. But it appears that that Ingram and Ball, in particular, are really struggling at the point at this point. Yeah, you know, Ingram cooked in the first half against the Jazz. I think he had 14 throughout yeah, the first yeah. two quarters and then kind of uh, re- really fell off. And that's not great because uh, you and I talked a little while ago, whether it was here or locked on fantasy, I forget. And I said, this is the guy that's got to lead him. And if he's not able to really kind of get you a bucket in crunch time and only lead you to 17 points, and then he ultimately missed the game-winning three-pointer, which I thought was a decent look. And that thing went about halfway down before rimming out. Uh, he's got to give you more than what he's given you, especially with Zion on the bench and not getting significant minutes in this one. The Lonzo Ball thing is concerning. This team's not going to go far if he's not playing like he was for the final 20 games of the you know NBA regular season from basically January through March. He looked pretty good. You and I joked and said like he, he might be a good three-point shooter right now. He was hitting something like 38% um, and nailing open looks as long as they weren't those step-back threes he was taking. But that shot's gone right now. And with how slow things have looked in the bubble, their Pelicans aren't able to get out in transition and run as much. And they're, you know, not making it easier on themselves when they're not getting defensive stops either. He doesn't do much in the half court. He'll move the ball well from side to side. Don't get me wrong, but this team needs more than that. They either need aggression from him, which he's never going to give you a ton of driving to the rim because he's not a good finisher, even with his size at the point guard position. So he's got to give you the three point shooting. And if that's not falling right now, you're basically playing four on five offensively in the half court. And that's dooming the Pelicans so far 
So, you know, we've got six games here to go before the playoffs or play-in game begins. The Pelicans have slid down to the 12th spot at the moment. They're a game up on the Suns in 13. One more loss would, it feels like it would almost sink them at this stage. So then, you know, where, where do they start to look? Is it, or is it just sort of what we've seen in these first two games? Or do we see more Alexander Walker? Do we see more Jackson Hayes in terms of more of that future-facing focus in terms of Zion's minutes? But how does the rest of this rotation look? Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting because they're not out of it yet. This was the the toughest two games that they were going to face. Going 0-2 here while disappointing isn't necessarily the biggest surprise, I think. So it comes down to this game on Monday against the Grizzlies, a team they've beaten by double digits twice. You can't handle that one. You have no chance of getting in. I think they could potentially lose one more and still get in because Portland's schedule is pretty tough too. But it's certainly they have almost no more margin for error. I think once they're eliminated, you'll see this team kind of go with the youth move. You won't see Drew Holiday play nearly as much. You probably won't see Brandon Ingram play nearly as much. Uh, And you'll see guys like Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Frank Jackson, Jackson Hayes all get extended minutes because I think the Pelicans maybe want to start the offseason a little bit early. I think if Zion does get his full allotment of minutes, you'll still see the regular starters. They may play a half at that point because this team also needs to evaluate how Zion fits with the rest of these guys. They have a decision potentially to make on Derek Favors. You've got to figure out, and I'm assuming the answer is yes to this, is Brandon Ingram the long-term guy you want to pair with Zion Williamson? So getting more data on those lineups and those guys and those uh, different groups playing together, I think is really important during all of this. So I don't think it's like a full-on youth movement where you won't see those guys play at all, but I don't think you're going to be seeing kind of the normal rotation that it would be, and I definitely think you see a lot of like the really raw young guys kind of step to the forefront for the Pelicans to figure out what they have in some of them. Well, it is going to be interesting to see exactly what does go on, whether we get more of these big Zion minutes and where the Pelicans can turn around their form. Jake, you'll have it covered for us all over on Locked On Pelicans. And thanks for coming on Locked On NBA with me. Of course. Thanks for having me on, Josh. We all know it's a stressful time for everybody, no matter you're a professional athlete, a weekend warrior, or someone who sits in an office chair eight hours a day. Everybody needs support to make it through the day. Luckily, our friends at CBDMD have an amazing duo that can help you relax, regroup, and recharge when life gets chaotic. CBD Freeze with Menthol is an award-winning product that offers instant cooling relief for muscles and joints in a convenient and easy-to-use roller or shareable squeeze tube. CBD Recover combines CBD with inflammation-fighting compounds like Arnica and vitamin B6 to give you the support you need where it matters most. And to make it even easier to try this amazing duo of topicals and everything else CBDMD has to offer, they're offering all our listeners 25% off your next order when you use the promo code NBA at checkout. Once again, that's CBDMD.com, promo code NBA for 25% off your purchase of superior CBD oil products from CBDMD. Now let's bring in the host of the Locked On Pacers podcast. Tony East is here. Tony, TJ Warren, 53 points. Uh, actually unbelievable to see TJ Warren hit nine threes as well. A guy that probably only hit nine threes in his first two seasons combined. <laughs> they needed someone to step up with DeMontis Sabonis out and Malcolm Brogdon out. And uh, and Warren was the guy. How, that was uh, amazing to watch. That was the best performance from a Pacers player I've seen uh, since I've covered the team. I mean, I've seen some high 40s games from Vic, some impressive uh, Paul George games and impressive Sabonis games, but that was the best offensive performance I've ever seen. Uh, One of the first, I think, three players in NBA history to drop over 50 on less than five free throw attempts I saw. So just ridiculous from the field, 20 for 29, tied the team record for made threes, set the team record for made shots, and 
against the Sixers team that has guys that can match his size or has guys that can be good wing defenders. It was just insane to see him get to his spots, make all his shots and credit to the Pacers. I mean, McMillan and every player after the game was, was so made it set, made it seem so easy. They just said, you know what, you know, there's a point in the game where you just say, all right, all we have to do on offense is give TJ the ball and he'll score. And it was one of those nights where, I mean, everything he did just went in. As it has, it's made all the more impressive without Sabonis and without Brogdon in there as well, and with Miles Turner in uh, in foul trouble and you know, barely playing uh, out there as well. So Warren really took that load on. Let, let's talk about Oladipo because right up until the beginning of the game, it wasn't certain if he was going to take part in this restart. Then he said he was taking part in this restart. And now, a few minutes before we started recording this, he is doubtful for tomorrow's game. So what is up with Victor Oladipo? Yeah, he kept saying that he was going to just every day he's evaluating how he feels, if there's any soreness, if he'll be ready to go. And, you know, leading up to the game, he had practiced every single day in the bubble, played in all the scrimmages, right? So the response was good. But again, according to him, it's just it's such a unique injury that he has to be super mindful of it every day and think about his long term future more than his short term future, which makes all the sense in the world. But um yeah, after he went through shoot-around, I guess he was good to go, so McMillan allowed him to play. And he played 31 minutes, which is noteworthy because it's the most he's played in a game this whole season. So he might be at his highest level of health since January 2019, 19 months ago, which is ridiculous to think about. But, uh, yeah, it seems like he is, is again, at his highest level of health and forever now. And he was able to go in that game. But the, during the regular season, before the league suspension, the Pacers were going to hold Depot out of back-to-backs just – with the, for the same reason as him, right? They want to focus on his long-term health more than his short-term health. And that's consistent with what they're doing in the bubble. Now they only have one back-to-back and it's Monday, Tuesday this week against the Wizards and the Magic. The Wizards stink and the Wizards themselves will be on a back-to-back. So I think his doubtful listing is just because they think they can uh, do well against the Wizards either way and just have him get a little more time off before he has to play every other day for the rest of the restart. But it seems like he is the healthiest he's been in a long time and he's just being super cautious and evaluating his uh, his body every day. Yeah, that's great news for people who do see that doubtful listing and think, oh, no, is, uh, is it flaring up or is he going to pull out of this restart? It is, you know, I guess, a positive sign that it is on that back-to-back and he should be ready to go after that. Malcolm Brogdon, though, a guy who's been injured uh, a decent amount over the course of this season and his career, now has missed the first game, has been ruled out of the second game. Where are we at with, uh, yes. with Brogdon? He's been rolled out of the second game. I didn't even know that. Uh, well, I, I've said that. Let me just double check that because maybe I'm. Uh, <laughs> he listed as questionable. It would yeah, not be no, specific. sorry. You're Goga, right. Goga was rolled out of the second game. That maybe he, he is. Yes, he is but... uh, listed as questionable. Okay, so let, well, he's been ruled out. He missed the first game. We know that much. Um, <laughs> he did a, miss the first game with a neck issue. So where where is he at? Because this has been a season of multiple injuries for Brogdon, which again is no different to any other year in his career. Yes, this is the eighth unique injury that has kept him out of a game. Uh, it's listed as a cervical strain on the official NBA document that has words I've never heard of before on there a lot. But um, Nate McMillan just calls it a neck injury. He fell on it or it got fallen on or something during their final scrimmage against the Spurs. And he was dealing with some pain from that point until their first game against the Sixers to, he did do walkthroughs and stuff, but he, you know, he's a lot of pain when he turns his head, which for a point guard is a problem, of course. Uh, And then he did go through the ensuing walkthrough and, We'll go through shoot around for their next couple of games. So it's just a matter of if, if it's manageable pain for him. Um, I, it's hard to say because because he went through the first shoot around, uh, it's hard to say what his level of health is and if he'll be ready to go. But may, perhaps Depot's doubtful status could cast some light that maybe they're more confident he'll be ready to go. But 
Uh, yeah, he's just he, he's just kind of a glass cannon, really good player, but he you know deals with nagging injuries all the time. And this is just another one. So uh, the Pacers need him because of again no Sabonis, no Lamb, and maybe no Depot for their next game. But uh, the Wizards are a good time to be missing a lot of guys. Aaron and Justin Holiday both started the first game, and I thought both looked pretty good. Yeah, 15 and 10 for Aaron Holiday. Justin Holiday had four steals in his defensive role. With Let's say that everyone here is healthy outside of Sabonis. It, it, will it be Justin Holiday that moves back into that bench role and Aaron you know, sticks there, and they'll go with that three-guard lineup with Oladipo and Brogdon? Because I thought Aaron Holiday was super impressive. He's had some moments this year where he'd been even replaced by TJ McConnell, but he stepped it up in a big way. Definitely. In the scrimmages, when they... Um... When they did have Brogdon and Oladipo, they started Aaron and not Justin. Now, it's a kind of biggish discussion in the Pacers media world right now. Is, is Justin the better fit as a starter? But like you just said, Aaron played phenomenal in the Pacers' first game against the Sixers, 15 points and 10 assists. His problem a lot of the times is he's, he's not as willing to pass, but that was an excellent performance from him. He might have locked up his starting spot for the rest of the season uh, with Sabonis out. So I think if, you know, when Depot ultimately, whichever game he misses, they'll start both holidays again uh, with Brogdon and Warren on this team. But uh, I think if, if Brogdon and Oladipo and Warren are all playing, Aaron's going to be the final starter because two reasons. One, Nate McMillan really likes uh, keeping that bench unit of McConnell, McDermott, and Justin Holiday together, but also because Aaron Holiday showed that he fits fit in pretty well in, the, in that first game. So the Pacers with that big win over Philadelphia, it's pushing them... Um, yeah, probably very solidly. I'm not into that five seed because things can change pretty quickly, but it gives them a, a good run at things. Do you think they'll just be, that's what they're looking for? Do you think they're just going to keep running? Because they played some big minutes for some of these guys in that game against Philadelphia. Do you think we're going to, outside of maybe that Wizards game, if they do get that one yeah, pretty handily, they're going to be yeah, going pretty hard in most of these games? I was surprised at some of the minutes. I mean, Warren, look, when you're that hot, keep him in the game. Uh, but yeah, Justin Holiday played a ton of minutes too. And, some of that's the nature of, again, missing Brogdon, Jeremy Lamb. They're just kind of low on, like, the this wing-sized guard types, especially just, uh, so you know, moving Aaron and Edmund Sumner into the lineup, they're, like, smaller in stature. So I think we might have – they just might have to go heavy minutes uh, if they want to win games because of the number of injuries they're dealing with, which is the story of their season, because they don't really have a lot of, another, a lot of options, right? And they could play maybe Brian Bowen for a few minutes a game to keep some minutes down, but – in the restart, every team is well. Most of the teams are good, right? So it's hard to squeak in those few minutes here and there. So I think we might see heavier minutes. I think some of it too is there was some foul trouble with Jakar Sampson and Miles Turner that forced them to move guys up to the four position and play guys in unique circumstances. So that Joel Embiid drawing or getting whatever a bunch of fouls uh, on the Pacers front court players also had some impact. But yeah, I was surprised at the number of minutes. But given Warren's game and the and the injury stuff, it, it all makes sense when you think about it. But I don't I don't think they'll be that high going forward. I just think it was a, a one close game kind of deal. It's going to be pretty hard for anybody to score more than TJ Warren in these games moving forward. But if they do, and it is someone on the paces, Tony, you'll have it for us all over on Locked On Paces. Thanks for coming on Locked On NBA with me. Yeah, Josh, thanks for having me. Why would you go to your local auto store when you can go straight to rockauto.com and get all the parts you need for your car? 
at the one low price. RockAuto.com doesn't have different prices for professionals or do-it-yourselfers. They give you the same low price right across the board. Why would you want to go and spend up to 50, 50 to 100% more at your local store that might not even have the stock there? Yeah, you can go straight to RockAuto.com, browse their fantastic catalog. It's easy to navigate and you can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications and prices that you prefer. So go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck, right? Locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection. Reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Now let's bring in the host of the Locked On Rockets podcast, Jackson Gatlin is here with me. Jackson, we are fresh off the Rockets with a big victory over the Milwaukee Bucks in the NBA restart there, their second uh, second big game of the, of the restart. And James Harden had some foul trouble, but it really got it done in the end. Yeah, I mean, really, it, it was the whole team. It wasn't just James Harden. It really was the team. I want to give kudos to Russell Westbrook, to the the defense combined by really everybody down the stretch. But, you know, even specifically James Harden on the defensive end of the basketball. Look, he gets clowned a lot for being a quote-unquote bad defender. But when he wants to, he's able to step up, dial in, and, you know, be a guy who can, you know, force some turnovers, who can be a difference maker on that side of the court. And we saw that in the game against the Mavericks down the stretch, against uh, Luka and against Porzingis. And we saw it down the stretch in this one, a few possessions where he guarded Giannis and, you know, forced a turnover or forced a bad pass. And, you know, I just very, uh, very tough, grinded out win by this Rockets organization. So, you know, they've had the two games so far against the Mavericks and now against the Bucks. How has the small ball looked in comparison to how it was looking before the season shut down? I think you absolutely still see some areas of concern where, like specifically in this one, right? Brooke Lopez goes off to the tune of 23 points and 12 rebounds. Lots of rebounds were, were going the Bucks' way just because they had bigger, longer, taller guys out there. But I think the one main takeaway is the Rockets will not conform to an opposing team style of play. They're never going to insert Tyson Chandler into the lineup because they're worried about losing a rebound on a final possession or, you know, wanting to match up with a little bit of size. That's not what they're going to do. They're going to make you play to their style and cater to their style of basketball. And we saw that there. The final possession of the game, the Bucks decided to go small, go five shooters and Giannis or sorry, four shooters and Giannis, I should say, as opposed to trying to hammer the ball down low in the post again one more time to Brooke Lopez. So the Bucks conformed to the Rocket style. We saw earlier this season before the hiatus, the Lakers were conforming to the Rocket style for stretches of the game, running Anthony Davis at the five spot as opposed to running two bigs out there like they'd like to do with, you know, Dwight or JaVale alongside Anthony Davis. So this team really is going to stick to its principles. Uh, we saw them shoot 61 three-pointers, which I believe tied the NBA record for three-pointers attempted in a game that did not go to overtime. And I, I believe that record was set by the Houston Rockets. So they're they're knocking on that door. They're going to probably break that record, I would assume, uh, sometime over these uh, remaining six seeding games. How's uh, the, the newcomers, Jeff Green, Robert Covington in particular, how have they looked here fitting in? Because we didn't get a huge sample size of those guys, and how uh, how are they looking? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's it. How are they looking? I, honestly, Robert Covington has fit in beautifully. He gives them you know, an elite wing presence, an elite wing defender, but more than that, he also gives them a little bit of rim protection, even at just... Six foot seven, you know, he's got a seven foot two wingspan. He's able to help kind of guard at the rim. Uh, in this one, he just had the one block, but against the Mavericks, he did have four blocks, I believe, if memory serves. You know, had some really great contests at the rim in in that game as well as just be, you know, that that level of length that he brings. He's able to really alter a lot of 
shots. Um, even if he doesn't get credited with the block per se, he still alters a lot of shots that are you know attempted near or at the rim. And then Jeff Green, he has been look. There's a lot of jokes about Jeff Green and just you know he he's he's played for a number of teams throughout his career, and there's a lot of fan bases that have been you know uh, tricked into believing in Jeff Green and buying stock in Jeff Green, but he's never played this niche role that he now gets to fulfill on this Rockets team where he is the backup small ball five behind P.J. Tucker. And we saw it in this one. Uh, you know, he finished the game nine points. He was given uh, eight different attempts from behind the arc. Those were all of his shot attempts were behind the arc and he drilled three of them. And there's there's a trust factor there. James Harden, Russell Westbrook, they trust Jeff Green. They trust all these guys on this roster to continue getting those shots up. And, and we saw that all throughout this game where even after a few bad misses, Harden, Westbrook, they still trusted him to get the shots up. And when it count, when it when it mattered most, he hit them. We know Eric Gordon's not there. So how? Uh, what's the update on him? How long are we looking here for him and his ankle injury? And you know, it's pushed more minutes into guys like uh, Green and Mclemore and, and Daniel House in particular. Definitely, you know, with with Eric Gordon, you know, he's such a, a crucial part of what this team wants to accomplish when healthy and when playing at his best. He is easily their third best player. He gives them another threat on the perimeter to be able to create for himself or create for others. Uh, you know, just a guy who can, you know, on any given night, give you, give you 20 plus points on any evening. Now without him in that, in that lineup, regrettably, it looks like Mike D'Antoni now for the first two games has, has decided to stick to just an eight man rotation. Hasn't taken a look at Damari Carroll in either of the first two games. Uh, the timetable for Gordon is about two to three weeks out. So he'll probably miss the majority, if not all of the eight seeding games and, you know, might make it back just in time for, the final game for the Rockets against like the 76ers, their final uh, seeding game. So he might ba- make it back in time for that. It just kind of depends. But that was the most recent thing that we heard out of the Rockets camp. So Houston, you know, they won their first two games here. Really big victories as well com- coming through here against Dallas and against uh, Milwaukee. Yeah, w- do you just think it's just going to be you know, more business as usual? They're not going to be ramping things. It's not really in D'Antoni's nature to be sort of easing guys off or anything like that, unless I guess their seed is determined. But it's been overall a huge positive for this team in this restart to get big wins like this. I think Rockets fans need to be feeling pretty pretty happy and pretty comfortable with what they've seen so far, Jackson. Absolutely. You know, and even look, they, Mike D'Antoni, James Harden, both of them said going into these eight seeding games, they're not worried about what their record's going to be. They're just worried about playing the next opponent in front of them. They're not worried about, you know, jockeying for playoff positioning because there is no home court advantage, right? What, what advantage is there to, you know, vie for a higher playoff seeding? Now, I, I believe that to an extent, but I also believe that nobody wanted to slide down to the seventh seed and, you know, be facing, you know, looking down the barrel of a first round matchup with the LA Clippers. So that being said, I do think that they did care a little bit about that game against the Mavericks. And then I think there was just a bit of a, a pride element to this game with the Bucks, you know, between James Harden, Giannis Antetokounmpo, the beef that was somewhat manufactured by ESPN, as well as just kind of some, you know, potentially, you know, playful jabs by Giannis, which, you know, again, I say playful, but, you know, they were jabs nonetheless. They were shots taken at James Harden. James Harden takes his shots back. And, you know, so there's a bit of a, you know, a bit of a, a dislike brewing between those two guys. And I think this game was important on that level to, you know, one, just have the Rockets come out. They have the great win against the Mavericks. Now they've got a great win against, you know, title favorites in the Bucks. you know, with the potential back-to-back MVP in Giannis and Tadakumpo. And this is just great for them from a PR standpoint where they can say, no, look, you guys need to take us seriously as actual contenders. Yes, there's the Lakers. Yes, there's the Clippers. Yes, there's the Bucks. But guess what? Yes, there's the Houston Rockets too. 
Jackson will have it covered for us all over on Locked On Rockets as the NBA continues on. Jackson, thanks for coming on Locked On NBA. Absolutely. Anytime. And that will do it for today's episode of Locked On NBA. Don't forget to subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and on Spotify. And if you could leave us a five-star review, that would be most excellent. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.